everybody, we're back. Uh, this is Perry, Jordan, and Mitch. Um, we talked about productivity last week, and we mentioned some points about you know what that looks like in a practical sense of what uh, how to be productive, the differences between productivity and busyness. And I think it's safe to say that we're all excited for what we're going to be talking about today, right, guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Good to hear. <laughs> Very good to hear. And so that, of course, will be the second part of this productivity series. And our topic today is going to be self-discipline. We see themes of self-discipline and the fruition of those themes in Scripture and, you know, what really goes into that. But we really wanted to dive in today. And Mitch has some Hebrew He's got some Greek for us, and we're really going to find some examples in Scripture about self-discipline and why that needs to be apparent in our lives and our personal ministries today and how that's useful for us. So, you know, I think we're just going to go ahead and get into it. Um, let's start off in some Scripture, Mitch, and we're going to flow from there. Is that okay, buddy? Absolutely. That is always the right answer. Awesome. Okay, so folks, we're going to go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians and Paul's going to be addressing Corinth in chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And we're going to read from there and kind of go off of our episode from this little excerpt. Jordy, would you mind reading 9, 24 through 27 for me? Actually, I would. I'm just kidding. I'll read it. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so starting in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that lasts forever. That will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Amen. <clears throat> and so Paul uses a lot of metaphors there. He uses some analogies, and it's kind of hard to understand that, but I think it all just points back to that central theme of whatever a runner does or whatever a competitor does, they do it with discipline in order to reach that final goal. And so we're not all runners, at least I'm not. Um, are you guys runners? Mitch, are you a runner? I am not, except either when I'm being chased or if I'm playing soccer. Those are about the only times running's a good thing. When's the last time you were chased? Yeah, I think. I can't really think of any, but that's a time when I would be happy to be a runner. Ah, uh, Jordan, are you a, are you a runner? No. No. Okay. <laughs> You're a boxer, aren't you? No. Oh, okay. Mitch, boxing <laughs> at all? I am not, but it would be cool to be one. Really? I think it's a useful useful training set. For what? Simple survival. If someone, you know, if you live in a big city and someone, you know, jumps you or something, being able to have that boxing training might come in handy. Hmm. Very... I think, yeah, I think that's rational, right? Um, <laughs> but in terms of, you know, it would probably take a lot of self-discipline to become that, right, Mitch? Absolutely. A lot of footwork. And so I think that we can kind of, we can delve into all these different things that go into self-discipline, but I think it would be beneficial if we kind of slimmed it down to maybe two or three things that we could really guide our discussion with. Mitch, 
Do you happen to have any thoughts on that matter? I do. And if you've ever heard this podcast before, you have a pretty good idea of where we're going. And that's to the original language in which the Uh Bible was written. Mm -hmm. First Corinthians was originally written not in English, of course, but in Greek. And there are several words in the Greek language and in the Greek New Testament that describe what self-discipline is. The most common of those is used here in 1 Corinthians 9, and it's egratea. Was that on the thing that I gave you? It was indeed. I'm really glad I learned the pronunciation of that. So the basic meaning of it, according to the world's leading Greek lexicon, is to abstain from evil deeds... The most interesting part of this definition is as a consequence of the fear of God. Self-discipline is not just a personal characteristic that we have because we want it or because we need it. It is in reverent fear of God that Mm. we are self-disciplined. It's again examining Paul's metaphor of athlete or a boxer or Mm. runner that there's more than just those games that matter to them. It's also how they're viewed by God. And the second sort of sub-definition of egratea is self-control in all respects. Wow. That's, I think, a good foundation for understanding what self-control is. And we'll look at another scripture in the Old Testament later, and we'll discuss what the Hebrew authors thought self-discipline is and it's extremely interesting even the difference between the two languages and the two biblical cultures wow and so this greek language that we really get a lot of english words from and that we kind of divert back to and our common practices and everything that that meaning of egratea is that how you pronounce it (laughs) yeah um not to forgive me all greek lexicon people out there if I butchered that, but it's a self-discipline that's rooted in the fear of God. And so if that's used in like any context of self-discipline, then, I mean, it doesn't really mean much unless it's honoring God. Is that what that kind of means? Pretty much. It's that while self-discipline has this human element, i.e., If I'm talking about it or if I'm the athlete in this example, then I am self-disciplined in that sense. But my self-discipline is not purely for my own ends or my own gain. It is so that I can honor God through that self-discipline. Wow. And so, Jordan, what what do you think about that? That's kind of a very profound idea, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's crazy because, like, yeah. Like, oh, I'm stuck on my words, but it's, I think it's profound. I think I'm, like, so convicted right now just because this, ironically, is not my strong suit. <laughs> um, just talk to Mitchell or myself. Um, but, yeah, like, thinking about it in terms of, like, I'm going to be self-disciplined because I have such a deep respect for God. Yeah. I'm just like, Wow. I'm just shocked. Yeah, and that's that's an idea that studying the Bible and, you know, seeking your own spirituality helped you really define, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's safe to say that people study the Bible and do all this stuff because they want to go to heaven, but there are so many more benefits and, and perks, if you will, of deepening your spirituality, and you just really understand what not just what your spirituality is based on or not what all these other world constructs are based on, but, you know, 
what life is based on. And so Mitch Egratea, right? What, how do you pronounce it? So Egratea. Egratea. The, the G sound and the K sound sort of um, meld together in Egratea. Egratea. Is it a little bit of an R? Like, uh, can you roll your R's? No, I can't. Oh, I'm, I'm not sorry. that cultured. I'm cultured, but I'm not that cultured. Maybe, maybe we can teach you. Yes. Okay. Maybe in our extracurricular time, <laughs> we can teach Perry how to roll his R's. But so that's kind of would would we say that's our first point about how to practically understand this idea of self discipline that it is something that is rooted in our everyday verbiage and and, and the words that we say and that. It isn't just something that we do to do. It's something that we have a reason behind, and that's because of our fear of God. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good description. Yeah, and so that kind of is the medicine, if you will, for that busy versus productive uh, thing right there. (laughs) Like, if you're being busy, you're kind of just, you're not really honoring God, right? But if you're being productive and self-disciplined, then you're honoring God. And I think that that's something that, Mitch, would you say that self-discipline, um, if you're self-disciplined in one aspect of your life, whether it be reading the Bible every day or, um, you know, going to class, something like that, then that's something that infects every other aspect of your life? Or can you just be self-disciplined in certain areas and kind of slack off in others? Uh, I think the way you described it at the end is exactly how most people think about it. And quite naturally, when a lot of people think something, it's usually wrong. (laughs) And that's a great example of not understanding the term self-discipline. So if I were to say I'm self-disciplined in reading my Bible every day, going to class, stuff like that. But if I'm not disciplined with, say, my finances or with other aspects of my life, then I lack self-discipline. It's kind of an all-or-nothing thing. You either are self-disciplined or you're not. Now, of course, it does matter if you you lack self-discipline in one thing or if you lack it in everything. Mm -hmm. Those are obviously different. But just as God calls us to be perfect and to not sin in any ways against him, we see this all throughout both the New and Old Testament, We should find areas to grow in and prioritize specific areas of growth while understanding that we are not perfect in all of the ways that we need to be. But that is our goal in life is to be the most like Jesus that we can. Thus, we should be self-disciplined in everything or we are not self-disciplined. Wow. And so I think that I kind of mess up sometimes because I'll say that I'm self-disciplined when in actuality I'm just consistent in certain areas. Mm. That's and a really good distinction. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think it's dangerous, though, because you think back to – I remember we kind of did a lesson um, over first century and this idea of Gnosticism. Mm. Um, and so people can be consistent in all things. Like Gnosticism was – consistent in false doctrine um it's true uh lebron james is consistent at being the best basketball basketball player to ever play the game also true jordan is consistent at showing up on time and so i feel attacked 
<laughs> you, I don't know there's a compliment, but so there's, you know, but even though people are consistent at certain things, and this isn't a shot at Jordan, <laughs> there's a difference between consistency and self-discipline. And Mitch, it's, it's really kind of a, a hairy subject because it really gets down to the meat and potatoes of someone's spirituality if they're actually self-disciplined or if they're just consistent. Mm-hmm. Jordan, would you say right now, just looking at me and Mitch, <laughs> would you say we're consistent or we're self-disciplined? I mean, I that's hard. That's hard for me to. Oh Jesus! Oh, that's no. hard for me to answer because I don't know like every aspect of your daily lives. I mean, I'm not supposed to, but mm-hmm. I mean, we're pretty consistent. And that's that's the perfect answer that I wanted because Jordan might not be able to tell if I'm disciplined. I may look like I'm disciplined. Jordan may not be able to tell if Mitch is consistent or disciplined. But at the end of the day, I think that God's going to know if we're self-disciplined or if we're just consistent when it matters. And there are a whole lot of scriptures, right, about... You know, don't just be consistent, be self-disciplined. What's that scripture about, you know, working as if not you're working for your worldly masters, but Is you're working for God? Three? It's Colossians 3, Mitch? I think so, yeah. There it's are, right in there. There are plenty of scriptures that make, I don't know, for lack of a better word, similar arguments. Mm-hmm. And so just off of Mitch's deep intellect of scripture right there. We see that there's a difference between consistency and self-discipline. And so I encourage you listeners, you guys to ask yourself, you know, am I being self-disciplined in the things that I do or am I just being consistent when it matters? Jordan, did you find it? Yeah. What is it? <laughs> it's Colossians three twenty-three. And do you mind reading that for me? Cause I think I butchered it. I mean, you're pretty spot on. Whatever you do, work at it with all Amen. your heart as if working for the Lord, not human masters. Awesome. And so, yeah, this self-discipline idea, it, it kind of goes much deeper than just the physical realm, right? It's, it's kind of scary. Mitch, mm-hmm. when you think about self-discipline <clears throat> and fear and all this stuff, what kind of springs to mind? What do you mean specifically? Well, it's kind of kind of a scary thing to think about. Like we mentioned last episode, it was how sometimes we see these big daunting problems and we think that they require big daunting solutions. Um, so I guess I'm just asking, you know, are there is that the end of it? You know, that just because there's a difference between consistency and self-discipline that we just need to be able to discern the two, or is there any way that we can better equip ourselves to discern between consistency and self-discipline? It's a really good question. I think that as with all aspects of discernment, there's an area in which we need to start by understanding the difference, right? So understand the difference between something that is, say, not beneficial and mm-hmm. something that is bad. Okay. There's a clear difference between the two, but if you're first starting out in your spiritual walk, you will likely, or at least I did, put categorize everything into good and bad yeah. and say the middle is unimportant, it belongs to one category or the other, mm. mm-hmm. and that's bad. 
That is objectively bad. Wow. The reason behind that is things like rest, things like spending time with friends and growing closer to God through that is something that is helpful, but if overused, can become a crutch and can damage our spiritual walk. Mm -hmm. Good things done in excess can still be very, very bad. So I think there is a very clear difference between discerning and acting in a way that is beneficial for our spiritual walks. So I think there is a pretty clear difference. Yeah. And I I love what you mentioned about an early discipleship and how it's either black or white. You know, and I think that, I don't know, Jordan, were you the same way and me that I kind of, I did the same exact thing that Mitch did? Like it was either. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're so spiritual. And I you don't know. know. I guess I just didn't know because, like, let's. I don't know. Like, there was still a lot of things I still had to learn, and that mm-hmm. was just not one of the things that was like uncovered in my character at that point in time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just focused on um, growing closer to Jesus, like in aspects of like reading the Bible and like wow. reaching out and stuff. But like. All the character stuff that like kind of like character refinement has like mm-hmm. happened within my last yeah. last year of being a disciple and yeah <laughs> sure and I think that's just a testament to how relative this idea of self discipline is like I think self discipline and productivity it's kind of like in that gray area like you can't just get baptized and suddenly I mean it's you like can. You yeah, you can't be perfect. Yeah, like nobody's see, ever gonna be perfect. That, that was my mindset at it, and sure. then I, tr- like, very quickly just realized that, that was not the case. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Katie Werner for <laughs> for helping me out with that. Yeah, like, shout out to the Werners. Remember, Thank you so much for. I, like I remember at one point in time, like I was sitting Jordan. in at Mitchell's old house, like in his. Well, you weren't living there at the time, but like sitting at his house in his living room, like. Not living room, but kitchen, like crying my eyes. Like I was like, I don't know how to do school, and she's like, It's fine, you'll be fine, <laughs> and kind of helping me through that. So yeah. yeah, and that's just a testament to the things that God gives us when we seek self-discipline. You know, I think that it's awesome that we get to be in heaven and all this other stuff, but to be able to just have brothers and sisters to boot, you know, just to line up with you. And, and face that fight together. I think that's one of the biggest blessings. Um, and that kind of brings me to one of my other points in Scripture, um, especially how Mitch mentioned the gray area things. Um, and I was looking at First Timothy here in chapter 6 and verse 17. Um, and I'll go ahead and read that for us. It says here, uh, Command those who are rich in this present, would world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And so I think that really references that clear definitive difference between consistency and self-discipline and that certain things, you know, while they not be they may not be bad, right, Mitch, but they may not be beneficial. They're all for our enjoyment and it's up to us to in a way, separate the two? Absolutely. And I think this is one of the best scriptures to make this point is too often we look at the New Testament and say, rich, bad, because there are people in the New Testament who are rich who act badly. 
and mm-hmm. who have various character flaws that need to be exposed, and Jesus uses them as sort of parables and examples for our own lives. Timothy here is making a clear difference between disliking the rich because of the things they have mm-hmm. and calling the rich higher to not put their hope in their wealth as it describes here. So we can make yeah. various aspects of our character that we are good at or naturally skilled in the same level of idolatry as the rich do with their wealth. What we have in abundance, we tend to prioritize. Wow. And so there's a clear difference between having something, say having self-discipline in a specific area, mm-hmm. and making that this idol of this is the most important thing. So rich people in antiquity and ancient societies would basically suggest that if you didn't have money, you wouldn't, you aren't valuable to the society mm-hmm. because that's what they had and they could control how society viewed things, at least yeah. to a certain extent. And we can act the same way, that if we have specific character traits in which we have abundance, we can prioritize them to a point that the others are less important. And then we fall clearly into mm-hmm. what First Timothy 6 defines as this, this arrogance. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I, I think I love how you uh, just developed my point so much more there. Thank you so much for that, Mitch. That was very good. Jordan, how do you feel about all that? Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, right? Yeah, I feel like I'm just getting slapped in the face with scripture today. <laughs> it's great. It's much needed. Um, and I think it's really cool to talk about this more in depth. Like, you know, distinguishing the good and the bad. And, like, d- deciphering, like, kind of, like, um, like using your own discernment and stuff. I'm forgetting how to word today. It's fine. Um, to, like, judge, like, mm-hmm. how to do that. Like, yeah, it's... Like, getting sleep is good, but if you sleep for, like, 24 hours a day, like, that's a bit excessive. And I think that's where the self-discipline comes in, right? Mm -hmm. The the 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And it just goes back to Mitch's first point that we don't know that sleeping 24 hours is bad unless we can cite our fear of God and and our reverence, rather, for God. And, you know, are we being beneficial and, uh... Are we glorifying God with 24 hours, 24 hours yeah. of sleep? Yeah, I think it more or less comes back to, like, are you glorifying God through yeah. your actions? Like, okay, well, like, are you sick? No, not really. Like, why are you sleeping 24 hours? Like, is that beneficial? Could you be doing something else, like making disciples yeah. or, you know, doing your homework? Yeah, and, yeah, that's perfect. And that, that all comes back to self-discipline and how they kind of work with glorifying God and all that stuff. Yeah, like, so. I think kind of going off, of all the stuff that's saying like sure. everything we do should glorify god no matter what it is like whether that's mm-hmm. our sleep schedules like school like work mm-hmm. finances all that stuff should glorify god so it makes sense that like if you're like you can only be self-disciplined or you can be consistent like you know like yeah. to glorify god means like that you're showing him through every aspect of your life and mm-hmm. if you're really slacking in some areas like how are you able to glorify god yeah. Amen. It's a great point. It actually brings me to uh, the first of the two uh, Hebrew words that we're going to talk about today. And I think that you pointed out really, really well as you allude to the idea of being an image. 
by glorifying God, is that yeah. we are images of God. The Hebrew mm. there is tselem, which means to, in the ancient world, you would have statues outside of cities that represent the king that rules there. And those are the visual representation that says, you know, whatever person rules this city, this is what they look like. Mm. This is the area over which they hold power. So we are called in the Hebrew Old Testament to be tselem of God, that our lives reflect God to the world. Mm -hmm. And there's a rich biblical tradition of what happens when those image bearers get smudged by sin primarily and how we need to avoid sin and we need to repent of sin so that we can be the best tselem and by being those tselem, we glorify God through that. Mm-hmm. And that's all done in reverence. And I think that something that I found out really early in my discipleship and reading and the Bible um, was, you know, how awesome of an opportunity that we have to really refer back to the Old Testament. You know, I think that's something, excuse me, Mitch, but I think that's something that gets looked over a lot in um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. it gets looked over a lot. I can and tell you that personally. <laughs> and I was reading a Devo, and it's like um, every single story in the Old Testament it has an application to life today. And it's, it's kind of like a don't do this or do this in a way. <laughs> it's so. You know, in, in a large a large part of it is uh, don't do this. Um, but I think that as we continue to grow in our discipleship, we, we can really appreciate the situations that these just mortal men were put into in, in those times and appreciate that we can learn from them even today. Um, Mitch, what's one situation in the Old Testament that's kind of stood out to you throughout your discipleship, just off the top of your head? Mm, stood out to me through the course of my discipleship. Just play I a suppose, big old role. I suppose the most obvious one and the one I, I go back to often is the creation stories in Genesis 1 and 2. Oh, I thought you were going to say David. All of those are awesome <laughs> answers. But the one that most deeply resonates with me is the creation story because there's mm-hmm. so much that flows from it. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. don't understand the foundation, then at least I find it difficult to understand the rest of it without really deeply connecting with where the story started yeah. and how the world is supposed to be. Like Genesis 1 and the early half of Genesis 2. Sure. I, Jordan just kind of distracted me there. Yeah, I'm sorry too. But <laughs> I think when I first started reading, um, what really drew me in um, was this little pocket in Job where it's Eliphaz and he's talking about uh, the, this, this spiritual being coming to him at night and the, the hairs on his, on his neck stood up and just kind of a little diversion. But it's, it's those little things that kind of just make you hungry for the word and it's so amazing now that we talk about it to see that self-discipline you know self-discipline on Job's part to regardless of whatever happened there that he was still uh, capable of having reverence for God and so I think because of that 
And maybe in just our own discipleship that we see this idea of reverence and self-discipline go right there along with humility. Hmm. Yeah. And so, obviously, if you're full of yourself, there isn't any room for God. There's the cliche saying. It's but, true. It's so true. But this this idea of humility, it, it has to exist wherever self-discipline does. And whether it's the creation story, whether it's David, whether it's Job and his friends, where there's a lack of humility, there's more room for Satan. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so how can we actively seek humility and in essence, seek self-discipline, Mitch. How, like in a practical sense, how do you guys feel like we can do that, Jordan, Mitch, Jordan, Mitch, Jordan? Stop. Oh, my gosh. Um, you can pray to the Lord for your heart, man. You are so spiritual. I, <laughs> seriously. I Like I say that because like that's something I struggle with because like I think I can yeah. be like, oh, I like see like. I have a really bad problem of oversleeping. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I just need to stop oversleeping. And I, I, like, I mean, nothing can yeah. change. So I like really just need to pray to God. Like, hey, um, can you help me? Yeah, prayer, definitely. Mitch, what do you think? Um, I love the answer of prayer. And it was probably the first answer that I came up with. <laughs> but uh, to be original, in it's, it's to read the scriptures and read what God has already told us and given for our instruction and the way that we can live properly. Specifically, I think the best way to understand self-discipline is to understand its absence. Mm-hmm. What does it look like when one doesn't have it? Yeah. And then we can do a little comparison and contrast. So turn over to Proverbs 25. Let's get it. Snap. And we're going to go through the second Hebrew phrase Uh, that I think is really, really interesting and really, really applicable for this topic of self-discipline. And did you need me to read Proverbs 25, Mitch? Yeah, if you can read verse 28, that would be fantastic. What if he wanted me to do it? Jordan, would you like to do it? Mitch, who do you want to read the scripture? I just want someone to read it. I'm reading it. (laughs) Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Amen. Short scripture really, really powerful. If you think of in the ancient world of a city without walls, people can go in and out as they wish. There's no sense of control whatsoever. And there's a lot of danger that comes with that because there's no order. Mm. If you're a criminal in the city, you can steal things and just run out. There are no walls. You can go out whenever. If you're an invading army, you can move in and there's no way that the people of the city can defend. There's no option to get around the city safely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what it what the Hebrew text says here when it says lacks self-control is I find just utterly fascinating. And um, it's em matzor le ruach. If you understand Hebrew at all, or if you've read I don't. Genesis 1 in Hebrew or listened to any author talk about it, you'll know one of the words in there. Can, can you repeat what you just said? El matzor le ruach. I'm just going to leave you to pronounce that. Um, ruach <laughs> is um, a key word in the Hebrew Old Testament. You'll find it in Genesis 1. Ruach is wind or spirit. Okay. So, one who lacks self-control involves the inability to hinder one's spirit. Wow. 
like an inability to control or prevent the excesses and urge urges of your spirit. Mm. I think this is utterly fascinating and an incredibly vivid way of describing it because self-control involves in both Hebrew and in Greek, it involves saying maybe I want to do something because mm-hmm. of my imperfect, partially corrupted, sinful nature or spirit. But self-control in the Christian sense means that we rely on the power of the Holy Ruach or the Holy Spirit to control our imperfect spirits and to block, just like a wall blocks an invading army, that we block the impure, the imperfect tendencies of our sinful spirit. And that is the much richer way that the Old Testament mm-hmm. describes, or specifically Proverbs 25, describes self-control. Wow. And when we look at where that, if we look at examples of how that can be absent, just look to Nehemiah. any, we can certainly look to Nehemiah. The Ezra Nehemiah story is a perfect example of this. Uh, I was thinking more of Saul. Oh, yeah. Saul just did whatever Saul wanted. If Saul wanted to try and kill David, that's the order of the day. Mm-hmm. Kings of Babylon did the same thing. Mm. If they wanted to kill people, boom, they do it. Um, think of the kings in Esther. They do the same thing. Yeah, It's a lack of control or hindrance of one's spirit. Yeah, and I think that's just a testament that, you know, people of high prestige are, at the end of the day, just people as well. And they deserve prayers. They deserve... Uh, thoughts on our end you know i feel like it's really easy to become detached from society on any level and to think that um oh this person hasn't made they, they're a king they got all this stuff but and so they don't need my prayers you know they don't they don't need my thoughts they don't they don't need my love they don't need any of that but i think that that's just in a way kind of on our end a lack of self-control as well because i think self-discipline and self-control that that hindrance of spirit, it, it beckons in this consciousness about who we are as disciples and people and the world that we live in as well. And it goes back to Jordan's point of, you know, needing to be um, an image bearer, um, needing to understand people from all different walks of life, even though you may have different experiences from them. Um, and how that just comes back to in obedience to God and a reverence for God. And so this idea of self-discipline, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I, I see it as kind of like God is blessing us, blessing us with this idea of self-discipline so that we can understand people other than ourselves. Jordan's flipping pages. Flipping. Yeah, I think I think that's a really brilliant way of describing it because it sums up all of the nuances that we've just talked about and even ones that you just mentioned, like governing authorities. I think of Romans 13 and its call to respect the governing authorities Mm -hmm. because that authority has been established by God. And it's not merely a human construct that we do with as we will. So I think there's a lot of really, really great stuff in that good, concise summary. Okay. Uh, I found something, Mitch, you can totally, like, blast me if I'm taking this completely out of context. But there's a great little chunk of stuff um, in Hebrews 12 that talks about, um, like, kind of how God uses discipline. Um, Let me see where to start. Um, 
I'm going to start in verse 4. Um, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood. And, <clears throat> sorry. And you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as your father addresses his son. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. Um, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 7. Um, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Um, okay, I'm going to stop there. Awesome, Jordan. And so Mitch kind of, I love what I love what that scripture says because it really goes right back to Mitch's original three points that he had written down um, right here. And I think it's the third one, perhaps, um yes exactly um our, our being our self-discipline um or lack thereof is seen by others and is an integral part of our personal ministry and so what was that that was hebrews 12 there's like a whole chunk of it i mm-hmm. missed a few of them um but for the most part it's like four through Let's just say 4 through 12. 4 through 12. Awesome. And so, Mitch, how do you feel about all that, buddy? (laughs) I think it's really good. I think that the discipline that's being referred to here is slightly different. There's a a different Greek word that's used to describe discipline in this passage. However, it is definitely related. This is more teaching-oriented than it is living ourselves but i think it is very much two sides of the same coin the the greek word that's used describes more of an exercise of prudence or it's also sometimes defined as like teaching Mm. in this context yeah the lord's discipline is slightly different than self-discipline but i think it is very very deeply related uh, and probably a, a subject of another great conversation that yeah. can be had. Uh, I'm not sure if we have time for it here today, but I think it is a fantastic scripture that does help bring a lot of this around. Mm-hmm. And if you just change a little bit discipline to self-discipline, you get a very similar point. Verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. Enduring hardship requires self-discipline. For God is treating you as his children, what children are not disciplined by their father, etc., etc. The rest of this passage talks specifically about discipline as in punishment. Mm-hmm. But it does have a very, very good and very, very integral relation to the topic of self-discipline. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a kind of a, a second layer point. Like I think about, obviously, you got your first layer stuff like John 3.16, that stuff, all these other teachings. And then there's the other layer of the Bible. You know, you go through scripture and you, it's crazy how scripture is just timeless. You know, you can go back and read uh, a scripture that you read every single day and probably get something new out of it, a new application. And I think, what were you going to say, Jordan? said, one could say it is alive and active. Hey, how about that? How about that? Man, I'm spiritual, spiritual. But (laughs) when I was starting out reading and stuff, I think a big thing was that I really 
couldn't understand or didn't know how to understand was this idea of hardship. And it was just so encouraging to see that hardship, just like it said in Hebrews right there in, in 12, verse 7, you know, it, you endure it as discipline, and God is treating you as his children. And so there's a purpose um, for even the little things that, that I would find. Like, say I'm driving driving to church <laughs> in the morning, and, and um, I've gotten better at this, but it's 1027, and <laughs> I'm five minutes away, and I want to get there by 1030. And there's a grandma in front of me. Like, and, 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 and so you just see that and the instant thing is I'm going to lose it. Right. But, <laughs> but then you study the Bible and you see out that it's just, there's an ends to a mean at the end of the day. And so not that my grandma's story relates to like directly to self-discipline. Maybe it does. I, I really yeah. think it does. It comes well, to self-control. Self-control. And so. Like the Walt Disney, yeah. Yes. And so <coughs> I think that when we go back and, and look at this episode and um, kind of just delve into everything that we covered, I think that we're just so happy to be able to talk about things that we want to talk about, but also talk about things that we feel like are beneficial to you guys as well. Um, and when we see, just as a wrap up, the self-discipline theme, it's done in reverence for God. It's something that um, infects and permeates every aspect of your life. And it's something that requires a level of humility and a level of self-control as well. And, you know, I think that it's, it's very important and very integral in how we live our, our life every single day. Um, Jordan, do you have any closing thoughts about self-discipline? I think you covered them all. Really? Mm-hmm. Mitch, how do you feel about self-discipline right now? I feel both inspired and better informed. Mm, Even yeah. through studying the, the Greek and the Hebrew that's related to these words in English, mm. I think that a lot of the wisdom that's found in the scriptures is best unlocked through conversation and study with others. Yeah. So I think this conversation has been very helpful, at least for myself and having a deeper understanding of what it means to be biblically self-disciplined yeah. as opposed to what I would naturally think of. Mm-hmm. Mm. Awesome. And we talked a lot about a big picture mindset last week and self-discipline and everything we talked about today really mean nothing without that big picture mindset and that understanding of why we're doing something. You think about all the goals that you have, all the, all the things that you want out of life, all the things that you aspire to, none of them will come to fruition without self-discipline and an inherent fear of God and reverence for God in your life. Amen. And so Jordan, Mitch, and I, we we appreciate you guys tuning in this week. Um, We're really excited about next week. We've got a whole new theme coming right at you. Um, That's going to be a a surprise for you. Oh, I was about to say, you better make it a surprise for It's going to be a surprise. <laughs> and so we're really pumped up for it. We appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Um, you guys are awesome. Hit us up on our socials. We got Simple Podcast, 1234gmail.com, ran by our very own Jordan. Um, we've got the Simple Pod. We've got Disciple FM on Facebook. We're all over the place. Okay, guys. And we love it. If you got prayer Indeed requests, hit us up. 
Mitch is a master prayer. You want to sponsor us? <laughs> and if you want to sponsor us, Chipotle, Raisin Canes, um, all you guys, just hit us up. I don't eat anything other than fish right now. But Long John Silvers, if you want to sponsor us, hit us up. <laughs> no. And I love me some sofritas. So, but anyways, that's going to close out our, our self-discipline topic. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. We, we happy with this week, guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's get out of here.